welcome, welcome to this third episode of season three of the Female Sex Podcast. I hope you are enjoying this experience. You know, I we used to refer to life as a game, the collective we, but I'm hearing they're changing the names of games to experiences now because it's more than just a game. It's more interactive. You know, it it requires a little bit more command and more choice, more options. And so this is a whole experience. Even the pandemic, I don't even refer to it as that. It's been too long to even be that anymore. So it really has become a whole new experience. And to say the new normal is not really, I mean, new normal is normal. <laughs> so it really is an experience. And so far, I have been... I would say enjoying it, but I'm not going to say necessarily enjoying it, but I have been benefiting definitely in many different ways. And that's the theme for this podcast today. It's the benefits of betrayal. It's looking at or taking the good from the bad or turning the bad into good or however you want to see it. It is definitely an alchemical process. And you'll notice that a lot of people, or some will say, like there's almost as if there are two completely different realities right now where some people are going through it. They are going through hell right now and don't know how to cope while there are others who are actually thriving. And so there was one reality where things were working out for certain people, you know, the way the systems were, the systems that were in place were working for them. And so the people who seem to be thriving in the old system are now struggling in the new one. And the people who were struggling in the old system are benefiting now from what's about to emerge. So before I get into the benefits of betrayal, I'd like to remind you that if you are watching this on YouTube, you are a few weeks late. If you would like to catch these posts, you can go straight to Anchor. If you go to the About Me page on uh, the YouTube channel, you'll find the link there to find the Anchor or it's on Spotify. I'm not even sure how to find the Female Sex Podcast on Spotify, so I can't help you with that one. But if you would like to access the blog to read the posts and to access uh, a link to the podcast, you can go to thefemalesex.blogspot.com and to get there you will need an invite so send me an email uh, to thefemalesex at gmail.com and I will send you a link uh, to invite you to join the reading list and so you can access the podcast from there otherwise they will be posted I guess two three weeks I mean a week or so after I I post them on uh, on anchor so I'm gonna get into something that I talked about in the last podcast the last couple podcasts and I keep forgetting to mention it so I'm going to mention it straight off um, the bat so there was an image I don't know a lot of the Millennials or the, the Gen Y today know who Ashanti is 
but there was a singer but who went by the name of Ashanti and she recently reemerged in an image or in a picture uh, post um, I guess it was an Instagram post and she appeared with an unknown white male now Ashanti was around when I was in high school I think yeah I was in high school and you know people like DMX and Ashanti were were the stars at that time you know there were the I don't even know what people are calling themselves I am dating myself but you know she was in at the time but I doubt very much that a lot of the millennials and Gen Y Zs whatever know who Ashanti is but she emerged and I was like, why is she in the news? Do people even know who this is? But there's a reason why she emerged. Now, I'm going to mention that. I'm also going to mention uh, the movie Coming to America. And um, the the part of the movie where I, I fell asleep, honestly, when I was watching the movie. So I don't even remember what happened. I do remember a dancing part of it. I remember waking up during... Uh, some kind of ceremony where he had to choose a wife and a few women came in to perform and there was this one woman who came in and she was dressed uh, in what looked to me like the Jamaican flag but as it turns out it was the Akan flag or the Akan colors the color of the Ashanti people which is the black uh, gold and green and so I'm going to mention that um, I'm also going to mention the fact that uh, Marcus Garvey was was uh, uh, was said to have been a descendant of the Akan people, and the reason I'm mentioning Marcus Garvey is because we are right now in the twenties, the twenty twenties, and Marcus Garvey emerged sometime in the nineteen uh, twenties or in around that time when he was selling the bonds to the blacks in America at that time. Uh, you know, the 1920s and the 2020s kind of parallel because they were also going through a coming off of a uh, of a pandemic of 1918. And then they went into, you know, this roaring 20s, this boom where everybody was living large. And at the time they were buying bonds, you know, the same way people are investing in stocks and in uh, crypto and, you know, crypto everything. Now, this illusional uh, currency this it, well in Canada crypto isn't currency it's a commodity so it's not something that is um, insured like money so crypto is not considered a type of currency here it has no value like you can't um, uh, go into a store and buy something so but it's equivalent to that it was equivalent to the bonds and Marcus Garvey played an important role at the time because he was enlisted or contracted to be that person to sell bonds to the blacks whereas um, other people we'll see the whites at the time were buying you know regular stocks and bonds the blacks were buying into the black star line or the marcus garvey the black bonds okay now why do i mention all these things because it's going to tie into betrayal they are all related and so i just wanted to sum up what i was talking about because i feel like i didn't even really explain myself but let me just start from where i guess where i left off there and it was when i was talking about slavery the first betrayal how black women the genesis block as i was talking about 
the black woman, the melanin woman, the first uh, block in the chain, the black cube, etc., etc., was betrayed. And she was initially betrayed by her own. And so I want to start with the original betrayal because that original betrayal is what led to what we know as the curse or the so-called curse of Canaan. And it's also what led to the ancient agreement uh, at first uh, with the Babylonians. And now, you know, a lot of people are talking about, well, Babylon system is coming down. And yes, it is. Unfortunately, it has been replaced with it's not Babylon system anymore, but it's a new, I guess, Germanic uh, system, a new Ashkenazi system. A new system is emerging that is not being run by the Babylonians. The Babylonians ran what was known as the first order. And now we're hearing about this new order, which is not going to be run anymore by the Babylonians. Uh, but the Babylonian order came down with the help of the blacks, which brings me back to the um, Akan people. Now, the Ashanti, the reason Ashanti came up in the news, or not in the news, but in social media sphere. So she was um, in a picture with this white man, and there's no relation. I mean, Ashanti could be my age. I mean, I'm 40 years old, and she was a little older than me at the time when she came out. So I'm assuming she's She's probably somewhere into her 40s, getting into 50s, something like, she looks really amazing. She looks incredible. But she's standing next to this guy who couldn't be more than some 30-some years old. Like, he looks like, I mean, they look the same age, but anyway, clearly, I don't believe she was dating him, but that's not what the point of the image was. The point of the image was her name and what she represents. So her name represents the Ashanti people. And the Ashanti people are, right now, they still kind of exist, but it's more in, in a heritage type of way. And so the Ashanti, what was known as the Ashanti Kingdom, is now, it now is located uh, in a small area, a small part of Ghana, but it once extended um, beyond the Ivory Coast and into Togo, what I was, what I mentioned in the last podcast, the Gold Coast, the Ivory Coast, and the Slave Coast, was uh, run by these people, the Ashanti. Give me a second here. Let me just check the mic. See if I'm still running. Uh, one second. I seem to be having technical difficulties. Okay, I am still going. I just want to make sure we still have the recording. All right, so it used to be run by the uh, Ashanti people. They controlled the west coast of Africa pretty much. And they, at the time they were trading, um, you know, this is well before um, the European even came down into Africa to trade any types of slaves. The Africans were running a thriving slave trade. It's what they traded with the uh, the Muslims of uh, the Arab world. We'll say that with the Arab Muslims and with the Moors, etc. And their commodity, what they were trading at the time, was gold and ivory and slaves. And so this was a booming business. And this was the business that the Africans or the Akan people had with uh, with uh, the Arabs. 
and it wasn't until later that the Europeans came in or the Portuguese came in to join in with the trade. But this was the business. So if you think about slavery, you have to think about it like it was Bitcoin or anything else. It, there was no, you know, it, was, it wasn't this connotation attached to it like it was something bad. It was just a trade. And at the time, what the Ashanti people did was, and, and this is what ties, it, uh, ties this whole thing into Marcus Garvey, is that they would not, when they went to trade people or when they went to, let's say, invade a certain tribe or clan, what they did was they would merge with the clan. So the same way we see European royalty doing it now, it's the way they did it. So they would um, marry their daughters into a certain clan and they would breed with that clan or that tribe and then they would become that. And to this day, the Jamaicans keep that same motto out of many, one people is the motto of, of Jamaica. And you see this, I think it's E Pluribus uh, Uni. I'm not sure what the Latin is, but you st you'll still see that used, I believe, on the American dollar or I can't be sure about that, but it, it's the same idea out of many, one people. And it's the same idea of out of chaos, you get order and that by breeding with these people you invade them you breed with them you become one with them you're one people now and in that way they aren't going to uh betray you so i might have mentioned this uh some time ago but there was this thing i guess this national Ge geographic thing i used to watch these when i was younger with my dad and so I, it's still a tradition i still watch it from time to time with my son but you'll have this European narrating over uh, these animals. So films of animals, you'll have the European giving his perspective of what he thinks is happening there. So I'm watching this one with the lion and uh, the lion, the lioness, she has sex with, or <laughs> she mates with one male lion and the male lions are fighting over her at first. So she mates with one of them and then she mates with the other one. It turns out the the two lions, they're brothers. But by having sex with both of them, she was able to secure her safety because now both the the brothers don't know who necessarily is the father. So in that way, she was able to secure protection from both. And you still see that today, you know, amongst the baby mamas, you know, they, when women... Uh, have sex with one man and then tell another man that he's the father this is very primal it's something that is very natural in the way that females operate and so to secure her safety and the security of her cubs and in the case of women to secure their own safety and the security of their children they'll have sex with two men in the event that you know one man can't um uh, you know, hold his own or support her, she has the other to fall back on. But it also ensures that, you know, the other won't kill her cubs because he doesn't know if it's his legacy or not. So he's not going to take the risk of killing the babies. Normally a lion would kill all the cubs and mate with the, uh, with a female anyway. So why do I say that? Because it's, it's something that women have always done that the female has always done is she has always figured out a way to to secure her um, survival, to ensure her survival. And man took from her, as I was mentioning in the past, 
podcast that man took everything from the female, everything that we see today. And it's not necessarily a negative thing. The fact that it was taken from the female, that first original betrayal is what led us to where we are today, where, you know, we're seeing more technical advances. I'm not even sure if we would ever move beyond the slavery, you know, the slave trade and slaving uh, or trading gold and, you know, uh, and silk and rum and tobacco. Would man have ever thought to uh, extract things like oils and uh, other minerals? Would they have ever found use for things like uranium and titanium, etc. It's quite possible, but it, you know, we have lived for centuries and did we make those strides? Uh, not necessarily. Those things started happening once the European got access to those things, once the European was invited in, onto the continent. All right. So uh, the reason I mentioned that betrayal and Ashanti is to to tie it into the Ashanti people or the Akan people were the people of the Ashanti tribe. And like I said, the Akan people, it's thought that 60% or more, excuse me, 60% or more of the people who are in Jamaica, the so-called blacks that live in Jamaica, um, these also are the Maroons, are descendants of those people. And uh, Marcus Garvey was one of those people but marcus garvey was also said to have been a mason so he was tied into that whole greek fraternity thing right so it's my theory that he was uh a cia plant i had mentioned or not cia but i don't know if cia was a, we'll say that i'm not just gonna say cia or we'll say company plant like he was an agent um, of the American government and he was brought to the United States. He was invited to be there to play a particular role. Now, a lot of people will obviously fight, push back on that, but this is somebody who I grew up with, like I grew up admiring. I was taught about Marcus Garvey. I was taught, you know, there was images of Marcus Garvey everywhere in my home. So, you know, I'm not disrespecting the man, but when you look at, at his, um, history and you look at the people who he moved with you know he was said to have sat with the KKK and had meetings with them the people the people who he bought the boat from or th that black starship the the black starliner or whatever he he bought that from a german who supposedly ripped him off he bought this shitty little boat that don't fucking work okay it wasn't it wasn't shitty a little it was a shitty but not little but he bought this boat the boat doesn't work so he knew that the jamaicans were never or the americans were never going to get to africa he knew that he knew he was buying a dud okay and the people he who he bought it from knew that they were playing a role like he knew that he was playing a role with these people that he was never going to get black Americans to Africa I don't even believe he ever stepped foot on the African continent and he would ride around looking all stupid with his colonial hat on his head look you can love Marcus Garvey all you want I feel as someone who grew up 
in the Rastafari religion and was told, you know, how, uh, that this man was so admirable and you hear about him all the time. I feel betrayed by all that <laughs> because now when I look at the history, I feel like this man was a scam artist all along. And then when the time came, the thing that happens to all of the Ashanti people, whenever they're, you know, their people are getting murdered or something, they just so happen to get exiled. And so a lot of the Ashanti uh, uh, kings, they were exiled to the Seychelles on the east coast uh, of Africa, just off the continent. So they were there over there living their best life while their people were being murdered by the colonialists once the British came in. And so if this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like I can get further and further into how the um how black women were or, or melanin women were betrayed and in the long run how we benefited from it okay so when i when i talk about ashanti and and that image of ashanti with the white man that's what happened in in fact with the akan people the akan people sold ashanti or uh, akan women to the Europeans. So now they're invited into the trade. And the reason why they invited the European into the trade is because uh, they wanted to push the Muslims out or push the Arabs out of the trade or to earn more from the trade, to do business with their European rather than do it with the, the Arabs. And that's why uh, funny enough, <laughs> you hear Bob Marley talking about the so-called Babylonians, but this was also part of the scam. I remember I mentioned a, a while ago that every Jewish man that I dated or that I was like sleeping with, I don't know if we dated, but it was friendly with, whatever, happened to love Bob Marley. It's like one of the things that we bonded on, like every single one, every time. But why is that? Because the songs and the ly the lyrics of the Bob Marley songs spoke to those people. And so he was another one. I, I said that I believe the whole Rastafari religion, which just so happened was funded by a Mason um, and on, and it was based on the words of Marcus Garvey talking about, um, Emperor Haile Selassie coming, the king would be, um, crowned in Africa or whatever. And just Marcus Garvey and, um, Bob, Mar uh, uh, Emperor Haile Selassie, like all of these men are men that, they just seem to be in on it. Like they're part of this. I, you know, I don't want to say secret society because it's not really a secret society. It's really a brotherhood. So we'll just say that. I'll just say they're in on the brotherhood and they all working together. You know, these are not people. When you think about history, history is very much curated. Everything that we see is very much curated. It's carefully picked and chosen you can't just make the history book. You make it into the history book if you're selected to be in the history book. This is the new history, the new order, and somebody is writing exactly, uh, writing history exactly how it, they want it to be read. So they're writing about their legacy. So you're not going to make it into the history book unless you were 
invited into the history book. It's very rare that you hear just random stories. Those are hidden away. The they're it, it it takes a lot of energy and time and you know force to hide a lot of the history and it's why we don't know it today it's why every time you hear about history what do you hear about you hear about history changing hands from mesopotamia to ancient egypt and then it went to the greeks and the romans it, because this is how it, they never talk about the original the woman where it began and we know that we know this because we hear the stories of serpent worship we hear the story of the naga or the the serpent race but we hear the connection between the female and the serpent it's in their books it's in their written legacy but they never actually say what that was but that's because that betrayal was written out of the history books and we started the written history with um the beginning of the new or the beginning of the first order so the reason why i talked about and let's go back again uh, to coming to america and its connection to uh the akan people and marcus garvey and jamaica and this ashanti you know so uh, once again let me just uh, reverse to just remind you of the link and that is Ashanti the singer comes up in this picture with the white man and that is to represent the Akan people merging with the European or starting to do business with the European and then from there we have Marcus Garvey who ties into you know the 1920s paralleling with the 2020s and Marcus Garvey was an Akan was said to have been um, a descendant of the Akan people Marcus Garvey is a Jamaican of course and then it ties into this whole the black gold and green flag of the um, Akan people of reappearing in the Jamaica flag. Now the Jamaica flag is a cross between, literally a cross between this, what's known as the St. Andrew cross or the cross of St. Andrew, who is a Scottish, uh, supposedly a saint from Scotland. And he, um, and the Jamaica flag is said to be I'm not sure. I did look into it, but I couldn't find, I think I found one other flag that didn't have the color. It, it's said to be the only flag that does not contain either the colors red, white, or blue. Every other flag for every other nationality contains the colors red, white, and blue. And red is known for sacrifice. Uh, and valor like you had to have gone through a huge sacrifice and blue represents a nation so once a nation is established it uh, if it contains red and blue it means the nation was established through sacrifice and then the white represents uh, some sort of peace like uh, there was for example if you have red and white in there it means there was great sacrifice um, men sacrificed their lives and had valor and honor and whatever, but they came to a peaceful agreement in order to make uh, that nation. And so the flags, the color of the flags have meaning in that way that uh, the red will represent the blood and the, uh, the blood and sacrifice. And then the uh, blue will represent nation, nationality or the establishment of a nation. 
and then uh, white will represent uh, peaceful or peace or it, uh, a colonial uh, presence in that nation. And so the Akan flag today, it's black, gold, and green to represent the people, the land, and the sun. And then it also has a bit of white in there. It has white between the lines and, you know, the golden stool uh, is the golden stool is similar to the crown, like the British crown. And then the flag has a bit of white in there. So the Ashanti people today, the flag represents the idea of the black, the people, the land and the sun or the gold, gold and sun is the same. And then it has a little bit of white in between the lines to represent this idea that the whites or the colonialists still control part of that. But the Jamaica flag, it it show it gives pays homage to this cross of St. Andrew to Scotland, but it has no trace of white on it. So the Jamaica flag represents this agreement that it's like just a, a subtle agreement or a subtle nod to this ancient agreement that the Akan people did make an agreement with the Scottish people, with the colonialists, to have a piece of land on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean and that they would play a major role um, in the trade but it would be kind of hush-hush. So when you're dealing with uh, Jamaicans, unfortunately, I come from Jamaican people, both my parents are Jamaican, but they are known to betray their own. They are not to be trusted, not all the time. They are not loyal. Um, The Maroons were known to have signed many deals, many treaties with the European to save their own ass, a lot of the people who identified as maroon or bush and mountain people at the time they signed treaties they signed agreements with um certain governments uh they were infiltrated and uh used to um perpetuate this religion known as rastafari and it was it it, it served two purposes so it was a way to tame these bush people these mountain peoples rather uh to tame them to appease them and at the same time to spread um abrahamic religious propaganda and so it's it, it's no accident that out in ethiopia the uh, there's a there's a land in uh called shashamani a part of uh ethiopia called shashamani that uh, uh, rasta can go to like if my father wanted to today he can say you know what i'm going to go to Ethiopia and I'm going to live there. I'm going to retire and I'm going to go there. There's a land there specific, specifically for Rasta. Also in Canada and Nova Scotia, the Maroons were sent over there, pretty much exiled over there, really, you know, an unofficial exile to go over to live in Canada because they were making up too much trouble in Jamaica. When they were making up too much trouble and they were uncomfortable with the cold in Canada, they sent them to Africa. It's like they can move around however they want. And that's because they had an agreement. It's not necessarily because they were rebellious people. Yes, they had a lot of rebellious people who were traded over there. And but they also had an agreement with the original Akan kings 
to send those rebellious people over there. And so it, it was they were supposed to be appeasing these um, Ashanti people. But at the same time, they they were getting out of order, right? So they were used. So I'm not saying that they are necessarily um, direct agents, like they know what they're doing, but they're easily used. They are easily uh, tricked and they will easily betray their own if the price seems right. So let's take a little break right here at the halfway mark and then... I'm going to come back to discuss a little more about why this betrayal actually turns out to be a benefit and how you can make, if you feel like today you are being betrayed in any way. I see a lot of black women crying and begging black men, you know, to support them and, you know, expecting that, um, so-called black men are going to somehow change their ways and you know black women are just doing the most it's so sad to look at it like it's hardcore dick begging you know i mentioned uh that they're the the what is he personality known as kevin samuels is out there just destroying black women just like black women have there's always another personality every 10 years like there's a personality to destroy black women and instead of you know, trying to move beyond that and to find their own power. It's unbelievable black women have not done that yet. <sighs> they still fall for it and they're still on there complaining about these black men who have an agreement. They have an agreement with colonialists to continue doing what they do and that agreement will not be broken until the melanin women identify it, acknowledge it, and it's up to the melanin woman to break that agreement. Nobody else is going to do that. But I'll come right back with why breaking the agreement is not necessarily beneficial. But using the betrayal to your own benefit is actually doable. So I'll be right back. probably have to split this podcast in two and continue on because I am halfway through the hour and I don't see myself going past an hour. We'll see how it goes. 
So, how to make the betrayal work for you. So, part of the reason why I stopped for a minute, stopped recording podcasts, and uh, just left uh, the female sex alone for a little bit is because I stopped caring about the female sex in general. I had mentioned before that this is the last um, generation of female and that the definition of female would soon change. The definition of human is in the process of changing as well. People are freely giving up access to their genetic code. Like you are being asked to take a test and in that test, they tell you, right, that they have to test it or do genetic testing to check for um, a variant, right? They call it variants. And now they've listed the variants according to the Greek uh, nomenclature. I don't know what they call that, the Greek lettering or what Greek al- alphabet. So now you have the alpha, beta, what is it, gamma, delta, I don't know what they order, you know, some of you sorority people might know, or, you know, fraternity people, but whatever the order, right? So now they've placed these so-called variants in order, but the variants are really the genetic variants, and they're listing um, the alpha genes and the beta genes, and they're going down in the order of you know, genetic superiority. Like we don't talk about um, genetics because people are so fixated on race, but this whole thing is definitely showing you that the the DNA is what's being put under the microscope. The DNA was always what was important. And so now we're seeing um, this, we're in a time where people are just uh, freely giving up their genetics. They don't even question it. You know, I... I didn't take a test and I don't plan on ever taking a test no matter what happens to me I'd rather drop dead than to say here you go here's my genetic code if you mind sequencing it for me to see you know what variant I am so you know people are out here betraying themselves but that betrayal the idea that people are being asked to give up their DNA or give up access to their DNA and they do it freely um it is going to end up um, being a benefit. But like I mentioned, you know, things always have to come back around. And uh, in the end, I believe it will come back around. I, I did mention that I probably will not be alive to see it happen. It will take generations, uh, years and years and years, centuries, millennia for this to come back around again. But it's going to come back around again where we see the female start to reemerge and uh, she will reinvent herself um, and will where life or time will experience uh, have another experience that was closer to that which was you know prehistoric or pre-dynastic and so on but when it comes to uh, giving up your data or giving up your DNA is the same as giving up your data or consciousness. And that's why I kind of left the female sex is because I found myself sharing information and data that it was, it is valuable. I even talk to, you know, I, I'm in here with my son most of the time. I'm around him more than I'm around anyone else. The experience has taught me who my people were, who people, 
you know, who people, who my loved ones really were. And I remember that at the beginning of the experience, I said, I even came on to my podcast and said, I was so grateful to have my sisters and I don't know how I would do it without them. And that was a bunch of bullshit. And I quickly realized that, you know, in the first month when people thought it would, the experience would end, you know, people got close together. They were closer to their families. And, you know, we started this family fund, what's known as a susu in, um, amongst the Caribbean or whatever. And we started this thing and we were investing together and is doing this collective bullshit. And then I quickly realized that these were not my people. And now I'm all alone. I'm not like when I say all alone, I mean all alone. I have one friend who has been my best friend for 20 years, but I haven't spoken to her since, you know, the new techno meds came out because I don't want to ask her if she's taking the techno meds because I, I feel like if I ask her, I'll lose her if she, if it's the wrong answer. Um, someone I used to, you anyway, you just don't know who's who anymore. And so I realized that the only person I have, the only person I can count on is, and is my own, the, the children I gave birth to. And, you know, so other than that, I don't really have a loyal, uh, uh clan. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, there's no clan anymore. I don't have a connection anymore. It's all gone. And I feel betrayed. Uh, during this the pandemic, my mother died and I realized that, um, there's a, uh, I guess there's a beauty in, in death. There's a peace in it. When she did die, I felt overwhelmed at first. I felt betrayed. My family is completely shattered. I realized that she was the one holding everything together, but at the same time, I feel relieved that she doesn't have to live this experience, she was having a hard time, you know, with, um, she was a double amputee and she had diabetes. She had been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, she had overcome it without medicines, without, um, anything. She, so, and she was diagnosed with cancer five years ago. She never took meds. She never did chemo. She never did radiation. And they just kept coming back to find a way to, it felt like they were finding a way to get rid of her. And she finally passed and I felt relieved for her. I was so relieved that she didn't have to be here because right after that, and I mean the next day, we were in and out of the hospital. She had fallen into a coma and we, I was visiting her uh, daily. I went into Toronto to visit and at the day after she died, literally the day there was a supposed COVID surge and then the hospitals were busy again with all this uh, stuff. So uh, it, during that time though, you know, I learned that my sisters had taken out um, insurance for my mother and I never knew about it. And so, and then they had decided they were going to cremate her even though I was against it and that they were going to have this online funeral and they never asked me about it and I just was not included and I felt betrayed. I just felt 
the separation from who I was, like it literally happened. I knew at the beginning of this experience that we would lose people in our lives, that people were going to get disconnected from their own, that there would be people who you love, who you literally sleep in the same bed next to them. Some of them, even your children, adult children, and you would just be separated from them. The, people are literally going to be broken into groups, three groups. The one group who are completely resistant to change, those who are open to change and are willing to embrace it, and then those who are going to be forced in one of the two directions, all right, who can't seem to make up their own minds. <laughs> so I'm finding that I'm open to change. I'm in that group that is open to change. I'm not holding on to the old order. Um, at the same time, I'm not necessarily going to embrace something that I don't know if it, how it's going to benefit me yet. So I'm still examining my options, <laughs> but you know, I am, I'm just realizing that moving forward, I'm going to have to move forward all alone. I even had to have a conversation with my own son about whether or not he plans on taking the techno meds because uh, he is going to have the option. He is going to be 14 years old by the time he goes back to school. If he wants to go back to school, that's another thing. I love to homeschool him. I just got finished homeschool him, homeschooling him and, and I enjoyed the, uh, it's a rough process. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. It is a rough process trying to reprogram the children. It is going to be, it's going to take more than a year and it's not going to be easy. It, there, it will be a battle and I'm, I'll probably get into that another time. It's super difficult, but I'm blessed to have been given the opportunity to do it. But I do realize that if for any reason he does want to go back into the system, you know, if he does want to be around people again and be around friends again, then he's going to be faced with the option of whether or not he wants to be, um, you know, infiltrated, if he wants his genes to be infiltrated and if he wants the techno meds. And I don't know if um, what his choice would be from what he tells me. I'm secure in knowing that he doesn't want his blood to be invaded. He doesn't want his genetics to be invaded. I've taught him um, how important his genes are and why it's important to protect his genes and to protect his DNA and his data because his you know, DNA is his database and how it's important to protect that. And I believe that he will do it. But there are other people who don't realize that and they will betray it. And so that brings me back again to why I decided not to come on the internet to share thoughts and ideas like these. And that's because, you know, there's a supposed censorship that's going on where you can't talk about these things, but they're allowed to be uploaded. So these things will be uploaded, but then they'll be stopped. They'll be stopped from the public ear. But then there are supposed gatekeepers who are, you know, looking out for the public or the public mind. I don't know what they're trying to protect. But, you know, they'll censor it, block it, but then they will keep it. They'll keep access to it. I remember when the app called Clubhouse first came out and it was introduced to the Apple users. And 
you know, become, it became very popular, very fast, but it's like this trolling app because people would go on there and spend half their life, like 12 hours, 16 hours a day, just listening in on conversation, feeling like they were invited into something. And this is where, you know, the Bitcoin propaganda took off. This is where people's minds got attached to this idea that they can um, somehow get wealthy by purchasing a non-existing currency, a currency that could quickly lose its value as soon as you know, the powers that be decide it has no more value. And so this is where it happened. These, the blacks were invited into this thing called the clubhouse. You know, you hear the word club and you feel like, you know, you're, you're part of something. So, you know, that was the first (laughs) infiltration of the mind. And so they were able to hack into the black mind and get them to join in on this thing and feel like, oh, it's by invite. So it seems exclusive. And so people go in there and now they're sharing their ideas and their thoughts and their consciousness, thinking that it's something different from what you would do on WhatsApp or YouTube or whatever. No, it's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same gatekeepers. The Internet is the Internet. I heard this one guy I listened to the natural news Uh, podcast and with uh, the guy called Mike Adams and Mike Adams is like uh, you shouldn't be using gmail because gmail is cia or some shit like that I'm like nigga the whole internet is cia the whole internet is government the whole internet is a social engineering tool or you know a counterintelligence um, mechanism or whatever the whole internet is that you know we decided that we're going to put our consciousness into this machine. So you can't escape it. It's the same thing as a thing like his site um, and sites like BitChute or whatever. People think that, oh, I'm going to go on BitChute and I'm going to start talking shit, my propaganda shit. No, they just wanted to get all that trash off YouTube. Like when you look at the thumbnails, it's like this trash ass thumbnails, the, the propaganda. I remember when YouTube was like, constipated with all that shit with all this um you know illuminati propaganda and i remember i used to watch that stuff i'm like i can't believe i used to watch it you know i look at it from time to time i'm interested in all kinds of propaganda i love information i love data but it's ratchet like those sites are crazy anyway so (laughs) these people are going into things like clubhouse or you know, going into these alternative sites thinking, okay, I'm going to talk freely on this side of the internet because I can't speak freely here, but little do they know that the whole thing is connected. The idea is to gather uh, data. It's a data, they're data mining the mind. And the mind obviously is what's in the mind what you speak is obviously what's in your dna so you can know what somebody's dna is like simply by listening to what they have to say so there are some people i hear them talking about aliens and you know superpowers and of course bitcoin and nfts and what other trash you know like trash things that they're you can tell who's um, who has valuable DNA by listening to what 
they talk about and whether or not um, they're easily infiltrated because they will plant an idea and they did plant the idea into Clubhouse. I heard even that Elon Musk was in the Clubhouse um, and, and sharing information with some of these people like really somebody who's supposed to be this richest man in the world has time to go on social media and talk shit. Of course not. He's a personality. He's a plant. And that's why he's in there. Now you're seeing these men like Jeff Bezos has a rocket. These are <laughs> advanced weapon systems and they're being run by the Amazon guy. Like, are we really buying this? Like the same faces, the Amazon guy, the Virgin Mobile guy, um, the, the uh, Tesla guy. You're seeing these, all these people are just this random. It's always the same people. Jeff Bezos, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, who, uh, what's the other one? Elon Musk, um, Bill Gates, <laughs> you gotta get in there. They used to have George Soros. I haven't heard from him in a while. They have the new German guy, Kyle Swap. I, I don't remember his name, but you know, it's always the same people, the same characters, like it's a movie and the people believe it because that's how... Um, infiltrated their minds are that's how much they're programmed is to believe that the way that life runs it has to run like a movie and if it doesn't run like a movie if you don't have the same characters then it's not real <laughs> you don't believe it you know it's not entertaining enough it's it's not entertaining enough it's not um, attractive enough so you create reality or you create this experience as if it were a movie and it draws people in and now people want to be involved and then you include this whole um the concept of it being interactive and making people feel like they have options they can control the movie and so on so on so what my point was is that they get you to get onto these alternative sites and then they snatch your information your data gets snatched your consciousness gets snatched and then there was some controversy about clubhouse whether it was um some people somebody was being bullied in there i don't remember or some celebrity or influencer or whatever and they're being bullied in there and then there was discussion about whether they should shut it down it it will happen it will be either shut down or regulated or it will become just like facebook or, or youtube or twitter and then they'll lock it down the same way they do, you know, okay, censorship, we're going to shut it down. We're going to shut your channel down. We're going to shut um, your account down, but we're going to snatch your information. We're snatching your data. And so they're, they're collecting these data. They're, you know, sifting through it, throwing away the trash data and keeping what's valuable. Now, why is this um, beneficial? How could this possibly be beneficial to you? Well, obviously... When things progress or when there are any types of advancements, uh, reality changes with the technology. And right now we're seeing this move from um, pharmaceutical to bio. Uh, let me just verify the name of that biotech <laughs> that's what i was getting into biotech so at one point the pharmaceutical industry and we're seeing it now like the pharmaceutical industry is supposedly in control and that's what we think we think these pharmaceutical industries are in control but really they are being demonized and then they will eventually be replaced with what is essentially biotech so um You'll be wearing bio data or um, wearing items 
where you can be tracked. Right now it's just your phone, but it, perhaps maybe one day your DNA will be um, will contain uh, the data mining tools or will be connected somehow, not through the Neuralink. Neuralink is a dud. It's a um, smoke and mirror. It's not, that's not how the tech is going to work. The tech is obviously going to be um, the DNA. The DNA is the technology. The DNA has always been the technology. And when we finally get to that point, the final convergence point where they do, they're integrated, where your biology is integrated or technology is integrated into your biology or into your DNA, that's the point where um, it comes around again. That's the point where the female uh, takes control again. Because we'll see, we're seeing right now, obviously, that um, the with the trans people, for example, it's easier to change a man into a woman than it is to change a woman into a man. Uh, you'll even see now today, even just by fucking with the hormones, you don't necessarily even have to use biotech necessarily. Even by just g genetically, well, yes, it is biotech, by genetically engineering soy products, which a lot of vegans are eating, um, these soys contain a lot of estrogen and you'll notice that a lot of the males who just so happen to be vegan are very explosive and almost like bitch like, you know, they just act like hormonal women. And so that is uh, estrogen overload in the male. And so we're going to see more, um, feminine men it, that's not necessarily a bad thing because what did I say the beginning was? The beginning was the female. And so it's obviously, obviously you can see it that it's going back into that direction with it's going to come around again. I also wanted to mention that um, the plastics, I, I think I mentioned, it might have been somewhere else. It might have been over on my Sacred Blood channel, but I mentioned... Um, that we're throwing around these plastic um, masks. Even, I, I don't remember where I talked about it, but I, uh, you know, we're polluting the planet and you see these plastics in the bottom of the ocean. And where do plastics come from? They are man-made, but everything that man makes comes from the earth. Everything was already here. And so these same plastics that are in the ocean will eventually, if you give it enough time, they will become their own ecosystem it they will have life they will breathe <laughs> they will come to life these plastics will become living things you know if you leave them in the ocean long enough things adapt things always adapt you can never eradicate the world of anything that already exists there it exists here it will always take another form. And so that's obviously where this thing is going to go. We think, okay, let me put something into the genome. And man thinks that he's going to be able to control that. But you can only control it for so long. You know, it's the same thing that I uh, was talking about when I said that the female, which was a serpent-like uh, being, 
a serpent creature. We talk about the Nagas and the serpent race. And this is the same thing that I was talking about when I said the XX female was this serpent-like being. And then she created herself. She created this mitochondrial DNA, this mitochondria. And she placed that into the nucleus of the cell to ensure her... Um, her survival to ensure that it, she would always replicate herself. And I've talked about before that the mitochondria is powered by, um, by the sun and by melanin is what powers the mitochondria that helps the cells to regenerate, um, new, um, biomass and new cells to regenerate and to repair itself. And so the, the female, the Naga, the serpent like being, was careful to make sure that she put that into her DNA, DNA and that that could live, um, that could live on, and that particular bacteria could very well have been the original. Uh, it, it was said to have been a bacteria, but that the mitochondria is said to have first been a bacteria, but that small bacteria could very well have been the very first um, organism the very first single-celled or whatever, single-celled organism, right, that eventually merged into this serpent-like creature that eventually merged into what we know as the human today, right? But then, as we see, man is, seems to be, once again, breaking man down. He thinks he's recreating this technologically advanced thing when all it's going to end up doing is it's going to take control, whatever this thing is, will eventually take control of uh, humans as we know it, replace humans as we know it. Um, it will suck up our consciousness and it will live and survive on our consciousness. It's not going to be this robotic, you know, um, robo robotic android type being that man imagines. It's going to be more of more primordial primitive like you know like a blob like creature that emerges from the ocean but he's it, it contains like these high-tech you know dna level molecular level technologies inside its system like that's how crazy this thing's going to get you know i i haven't thought it all the way through but these are the possibilities it's like when you start to we don't know nature man has lied and said that he has sequenced the human genome no he has not if you were able to sequence the human genome you were able to sequence the genome of all other living things and man has not done that he's you know, it's an illusion and people love movies. They love, um, illusions and they love to be lazy and to sit back and watch things happen. Man doesn't like to, and when I say man, I mean, mankind, humankind, whatever, don't like to do the work, you know, black women don't like to do the work. And so they're going to sit back and watch these things take place and watch themselves get like, <laughs> um, uh, like, written out of or not written out but really written out of out of existence like their dna will be rewritten out of existence and they're just people are just sitting around loving it and buying bitcoin feeling good about themselves so let me bring it back to the present because and the present betrayal is something that was happening here in canada i heard the prime minister justin trudeau 
um, he got up on the news on the anniversary of Floyd or George Floyd death. And at one point, as he was talking, he's talking about like, um, he said, Mr. George or Mr. Floyd. And I'm like, did he really just call this? This is a man who held up a woman at gunpoint while she was pregnant and, I don't know if it was a black woman, but I, I'm sure it was since we never heard about it. If we had, they would have mentioned it, um, mentioned that she was white. You would have heard it everywhere. But so he holds up this black woman at gunpoint. And now the prime minister of Canada is calling him Mr. And I felt betrayed. Not that Justin Trudeau owes me anything, but I felt extremely betrayed that as someone who has been uh, the victim of um, violence, at the hands of man that anyway, I wouldn't expect anything less. Everybody knows now it's, it's pretty out in the open that Canada is savage and ratchet and they got bones in their closet, like literally, you know, skeletons all over the place, bodies buried everywhere. So, you know, I wouldn't expect anything less from a Canadian, uh, you know, but the another betrayal that happened in around the same time is that around that time, he mentioned again, this black entrepreneur program where black entrepreneurs can get a loan or micro loans to start their business. And these micro loans are like a thousand dollars. And my advice to you is if you don't have a thousand dollars, like if you can't find a thousand dollars, just right now is not the time to run the business. Uh, keep working and doing do really well at your job and when you save up enough money to back up your idea then you know invest in yourself but if you can't find a thousand dollars please don't take out a micro loan and it's a betrayal because we're in the midst of um, this experience and it's a time where businesses are failing they're struggling um, struggling to even pay back certain loans. It's not a guarantee that the loans that they're taking out from the governments are even going to keep them afloat enough. Their businesses, uh, we will be seeing a recession. You know, the economy is going to tank, you know, even if for just a little bit, it's going to get bad. It's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to get really, really bad. And so it's not, I don't believe it's the time for black people to take out any kind of loan at this time. Uh, you know, if it was a grant, I would say great, but now they have these um, black business loans. So what they've done is allocated some money supposedly to certain banks or financial institutions who will give out loans to black people. And this is a way supposedly to deal with discrimination against black entrepreneurs. So the way to deal with discrimination is to create a segregated loan that's specifically for the blacks. So these institutions who, instead of just saying, you know what, you have to give money to everybody and treat people equally, you know, no, these institutions now require you to identify according to a racialized system in order to access the money. So as a black business owner, as an entrepreneur, I can't even access it because I don't, I don't identify as black. I don't want to be racialized and I won't agree to being racialized just so I can get a loan. And this is what I talk about with the agreement. It's like a European offer something that is clearly a trap. I guess it's not clear to everybody, but it, you know, it requires that you make this agreement. You agree 
to identify as a black, whatever that means to them. And I will support you by giving you a loan <laughs> that is, you're probably more than likely going to default on because how our business is going to survive at this time. As, a, as an entrepreneur, what I need is to be able to go out to craft shows again and to, to convention, uh, conventions and to meet people. I need a network, a real network where I can, you know, give them my products and have them smell my products and, and use the products and test the products. And I need to touch these people and talk to these people, interact with these people. That's what I need. I need a network and I, you don't need money. You know, what are you going to do with the money? You know? So it, it felt like a scam. It, it was a betrayal, but black women, so-called black women who have agreed to be called black women to get a little loan are now so pleased to get this. This is what I'm talking about. This is the ultimate dick begging. And when I talk about dick begging, I'm talking about pure phallic worship, the worship of this phallic system. And they're willing to take these loans and they think that um, this white savior in the form of Justin Trudeau is coming to give them something, a value, and it's not value. It's a trap so that when the time comes, when they've taken out these loans and when their business fails and they can't pay it back, now they're, you know, stuck owing somebody something for nothing. And so this is the story of the so-called black women, how easily it is for us to fall for this trap, the same way that the Akan people or Ashanti people fell for the trap of colonialism. You know, Ghana just became Ghana somewhere in the 50s, I believe. And this is when the Ashanti people agreed that they would take this little heritage land, they would keep their identity, you know, they still recognize the Ashanti kings and so on, but they shut the fuck up now. Now they're not even trading gold. All they ever wanted was to keep their slaves. And I believe they were able to keep their slaves. I believe that we are living in the the experience. We are living the experience we're living now and being referred to as blacks because that was the agreement. The agreement was that the blacks, or in this case, I, I can only speak for my so-called people, which is the Ashanti or the Akan people, were able to keep their slaves and they were able to keep their slaves in Jamaica, in some parts of uh, Africa as well, uh, in Ghana, that port that they bring black people to all the time, that port was the port that um, the black slave traders had. It wasn't the European who was, you know, that port existed long before the European came along, okay? Uh, the, uh, the white European, whatever. And, you know, the agreement was that let us keep our slaves. It's a, it's a long, it's a tradition. Slavery is a tradition for these people. They were not going to give up slaves. The colonists, the uh, colonialists wanted to be abolitionists because so that they can colonize, um, so they can um, spread their industry or continue globalization without the slave trade. They had other means of um, suppressing the people or controlling the people. And so they didn't need to do slavery. The slave trade was something that was benefiting the so-called black or the Akan people. And so they're the ones who fought hard against the abolition of slavery. And the European, it was the European who wanted to abolish the trade because it wasn't benefiting him. Colonization benefited the European. 
colonialism is what benefited him. Slavery wasn't benefiting him. <laughs> to the extent that we think. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here talking about slavery. I know what it was. You know, they know what it was. You know, I know what the truth is about that. I have the data. I got the downloads. It's in my DNA. And so I'm not going to dwell on that, except to say that that agreement that was made for the blacks to stay black is an ancient agreement. It was a betrayal of the original the blockchain, the original um, melanin woman. But the time has come for the turnaround or the come around or for the pendulum to swim back for the so-called shift or whatever you want to call it. This is us moving back um, uh, to or back around the loop, back around again. I don't even know how to say that, but you know, this is the what goes around, comes around. This is the come around. All right. So I'm going to be patient with it. Obviously enjoy the wave right now in my life. I'm not going to talk about the ways that I'm benefiting, but because everyone else is agreeing to do things a certain way, I don't have to. So as long as you're doing it or they're doing it I don't have to do it <laughs> so um my I'm going I don't like to give unsolicited advice so I'm not going to do that but I will end off this podcast by saying for anyone who might be feeling overwhelmed or for anyone who might be feeling betrayed at this time understand that you will survive it. If you don't personally, your full body doesn't survive it, your DNA will survive it. Why? Because our ancient mothers, the ancient female, the original woman, ensured that our DNA will survive it. So from here on out, take the time to think about you, and your own. Think about you and your children. You know, if your children are independent adults, let them be. But think about you. Save yourself. And do not look back. Continue moving forward. Don't try to save anyone else. Let people make their own decisions. It's okay to be alone. You're not going to be alone when you make it on the other side. There will be like minds like you. Uh, and so... Don't worry too much about what's happening right now. Now's the time to be patient, to continue working on building the life or the experience that you want, not the experience that you're going through right now. Never mind all this. Enjoy the experience. Live it as if you are playing what was used to be known as a video game but play this virtual experience play it like it's a virtual reality experience you control it um seek whatever you want um i don't hesitate i ask for what i want i command what i want and lately i've been getting what i want i'm not going to say much more than that but it's because nobody else is asking for it and so you know it, you're able to access it so access whatever you want at this time. And I'm going to leave it there. And 
until the next one, please do take care of yourself.